0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Game Dev London podcast, a community of game developers and enthusiasts talking about the one thing they love the most video games. Uh, my name is Nicola Humphreys. You can refer to me as she, her, and I'll be your host today. And today we are joined by fellow Shark Mob colleague, uh, Kareem. Kareem, how about you introduce yourself? Hello.
1: Uh, hi, I'm Kareem. I'm a gameplay engineer at Shark Mob. Um, I've been there for about a year and a half and I've been making games in my own time for way too long
0: well welcome to the podcast kareem um before we jump into the topic of conversation today i'll i'd love to throw an icebreaker question your way uh just so then the audience can get to know you a little bit better so we can have like a a nice chill vibe throughout this episode (laughs) so uh my question to you would be if you had to be part of any video game universe which would it be and why
1: um See, I want to be really practical and be, like, a peaceful Minecraft server. I think creative (laughs) would be too too safe. I want some limit, but, like, I'd want, you know, freedom to just do. You can make Doom in Minecraft. You can, you know, you can go everything. I garden. I have fun. I do all that. I could just (laughs) go wild, you know. It's tempted to say, oh, GTA, but, like, realistically, being in the GTA universe, I'm, like, working in an office and then you know wild things happen and i'm probably dying a painful death so let's stick to minecraft <laughs>
0: Well, at least with minecraft as well you can make a one to one scale of like sweden which i think i think has been done before which is i think people have sweet. done that
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. you can just make anything you want have fun go wild
0: <laughs> i think <laughs> someone even made a hogwarts before which i'm all down for cuz i attempted to make a quidditch pitch once uh, and it took me like 3 weeks <laughs>
1: back back in the early days a friend of mine and I back when you had to like there was no creative mode so you had to mod the server to give yourself those tools a friend of mine and I made a wild Minecraft just like creative server we had giant chickens we had a oh, giant wow. cake that was like a spleef arena inside it I wish I still <laughs> had that server it was so fun
0: yeah I mean like even with Minecraft uh today you can do weird and wonderful uh mods to it so I think my favorite so far has been like stone block where you're just in a cave and then you just use all the different engineering tools. Oh, like, I haven't seen that one.
1: It's like Skyblock, but cave. Oh, maybe that'll get me back. Sky onto block Minecraft.
0: Caves, yeah. Still have, um, the chaos cubes. I believe that's what what's called chance cubes. Oh, you
1: just cool.
0: Mine it. And then a giant house appears or a <laughs> of creepers. It's, it's really, a, it's a really a chance, <laughs> oh. but, um, Speaking of engineering in games, that is going to be the topic of our conversation today. What a segue! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so um, from searching online, uh, game, gameplay engineers, according to Indeed, are usually those who create softwares and programs that run the games. So I'm curious, what would be your definition as a gameplay engineer yourself?
1: Um, I think for me, when we talk about specifically gameplay engineering, we're focusing more on the player experience. And uh, funnily enough, that means we make mechanics and systems not for players to use, but for designers to use and uh, for engineers to use to kind of hopefully move towards what we want the players to be playing. Um, But uh, it's, it's game development. Half the time the player teaches you what you should be doing and half the time you're flying by the seat of your pants not knowing what the hell you're doing and then hopefully something cool comes out (laughs) but i would very much describe it as the equivalent of front end to games
0: nice and um there's usually a lot of different programs that go into being an engineer or the engineers have to use themselves and um on a surface level some people might not know the difference between engineering and programming because there's quite a few similarities between them so i'm curious what are the differences between engineering and programming
1: well i think this is one of those like really big semantic debates that people get caught up on and i think the important thing to start off with is that in terms of functionally what you're doing moment to moment probably not much is different um at the end of the day a lot of what i'm doing is programming and a lot of what i'm doing is planning out the system and the gameplay and trying to translate what we want to happen in game to actually code that makes it happen when you press the button. Um, So in that sense, not much is different. But when we start talking about sort of engineering in general, I think that leads us to thinking about the system more holistically. So. It's very easy to to program a single mechanic to be like, "Oh, I can jump when I press spacebar, but you could do that a thousand different ways and in in an ideal. and this is a really simple example. But in an ideal world, you have a physics system and then your your jump mechanic interacts with that physics system. So it's more about building things that work together um, and are efficient and don't tank the performance and uh, work. Um, nice, uh, and,
0: and like I presume as well. With like so many people accessing different parts and changing uh, how softwares are used, it's it's a good thing to make sure that it's easily accessible for, for any different department that is accessing that that software or tool that you're uh, you're making essentially.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, again, I personally I, I think it's one of those things where I think semantically a lot of people who are programmers or developers really are engineers at the end of the day what you're doing is you're you're, you're building up you're building systems that work with each other to to make in our case gameplay to make something that's fun to, to interact with and to play with um so i think it, it there isn't i worry that people often get behind this like horse of like oh i'm an engineer i'm not a programmer um and programmers (laughs) will be like i'm a programmer i'm not a coder and i've been guilty of falling into that trap before so um in reality we're all learning we're all growing and we're all building something and um i don't know i just think that's that's it's about how you approach the the problem at hand
0: no that makes sense and i feel like uh I feel like that programming is almost a, a foundation of that, and then engineering and programming specific career paths. That's when you like split a split apart mm-hmm. into the different like niche categories and then exactly. branch yeah. into further stuff like engineering for gameplay or engineering mm-hmm. for transportation or construction. Just like stuff that might be away from uh, game development itself.
1: Yeah, but, uh, for sure. Yeah, and um, also I think when it comes to any sort of software engineering, um, people come at it from a, like people come into software development from so many angles. You have people who come in from sort of creative arts computing, and then you get also people who've come in who've just done math. They've done math their whole life. They've never written a line of code. And now they're going, they're using software development to do mathematical proofs and to, because their computer science and math are now becoming super intertwined. They have been forever, obviously, but um, (laughs) they're getting, they're pushing each other further. Um, so I think it, it, it is, it is interesting when you start looking at other industries as well. Um, a lot of people make the comparison of like programming is to engineering, what a mechanic is in like motorsport to an engineer in motorsport. Um, I don't know how good of a comparison that is, but that's one I've heard thrown around.
0: I feel like that's a, a, a quite clear way of understanding the differences between the two um, different roles. Because I feel like even though I'm not into smaller sports, I could feel like I can sort of understand that. Uh, yeah,
1: there's obviously person. a huge knowledge base and tool set that's shared among both, um, but they're both specializing in different things. They're both focusing on on different uh, different aspects of, it's at the end of the day, it's problem solving, and they're both focusing on different, different problems to solve. Mm.
0: Oh, exactly, and um, speaking of like engineers and different uh, career paths, uh, what do you feel like are the differences between engineers in game development compared to other industries? For example, like what we mentioned with construction, transport, uh, and sciences.
1: Well, i I think what's I think what's really specific is when you're talking about engineering, you're talking about building, you're talking about construction a lot more. Um, <laughs> In all aspects, from software to uh, to civil engineering to mechanical engineering, you're talking about using tools and systems that you know work together um, and combining them to give you uh, an optimum result. I'm 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 being very like esoteric here. How do I bring this back? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you have you ever seen those videos of um, people using Lego and making like giant? hydraulic presses and uh axles that that have enough torque to shear a um to shear a steel axle and uh axles are like little engineering projects out of lego and technics bricks and motors Um, and you see them pro step by step add complexity to it to make it stronger to make it more powerful and every time they reach a certain power threshold it breaks so then they they up the durability to fix that break. And then they it's, it's that back and forth of increased strength or increased power output, make system stronger, repeat. And then you end up with a giant machine that squeezes a banana in half, um, <laughs> or that cuts a banana in half made out of Lego. Um, so I think that's the main similarity. Obviously the differences are the tool set you're given um, mm-hmm. with mechanical engineering, you're working with, uh, I don't know much about mechanical engineering directly, but um, my understanding is, you know, you're working with lots of physical components, you're working with lots of um, pistons and uh, axles and engines. Uh, they're driving a car, they're running a car, whereas in software, you know, it's it's code, it's design patterns, it's programming patterns. Um, and I, I wish I knew more about <laughs> Other, other industries on that. But I think it's the same kind of process that's applied across the board.
0: Nice. Yeah, and like, uh, I know little to not much <laughs> about programming and engineering and the thought of programming uh, makes me want to cry because I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> um, but there are a few instances online as well where I have sort of had like a, a, a peek into what engineering could be like. Uh, for example, there has been a recent video that i saw by i pre, even though it's not an official engineer by career role, like that's not his official title um i would say michael reeves
1: is sort of like an engineer oh michael reeves is awesome <laughs> michael reeves is an engineer hell yeah he's amazing but is there was great. a
0: he uploaded a, a video recently is the about one? it is the boxing <laughs>
1: one i just and, saw it
0: <laughs> and it's very interesting watching him program these sort of uh, softwares attached to machines that he's built out of wood, where he strapped friends uh, to planks of wood and made them into life-sized rock and sock and robots.
1: It was amazing. <laughs> was if like, you oh, haven't yeah, seen can... it, everyone go watch it. I haven't laughed that hard in a really <laughs> long time. Um, <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, that was just fascinating to watch.
1: <laughs> but I think, like, to use that, there's because Nile Red's in that, and Nile Red is another. He's a he's a chemist. And his, his YouTube channel is great. He'll make like grape juice out of latex gloves. It's insane. Um, mm-hmm. And he, it's the same, I think it's the same process where it's like, he'll be, he'll be in that person. He'll go, oh, this chemical reaction failed. It didn't work out the way I needed it to. So I'm gonna redo it with all of these changes to see if it works um, this time. And that's the same application. And with, with Michael Reeves, especially that video in particular, um, he, he is the first person I've seen on YouTube who really exemplifies the pain of engineering, of like, <laughs> I spent five days doing this straight and I didn't sleep and it doesn't work. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I fixed it using eight more days of hell. Um, <laughs> he's really good at that. And he doesn't get into the sticks of of, of what he's doing and why, which um, for me being entertained is awesome. Another person who's really good at that is Stuff Made Here. If you haven't seen Stuff Made Here, look at Stuff Made Here. Everything (laughs) he makes is fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think. Having that sort of resource where people can look into what engineering and programming is like without having to search up and go through hundreds of thousands of just like tutorials of this is a piece of code, mm. this is a string sort of and thing. And have Not it. to,
1: yeah, not to rag on tutorials, especially for no, yeah. more, more. Con- we, we joke around a lot in, in programming that if you're doing it yourself, unless you're the first person doing it, you're doing it wrong. Like <laughs> someone else has done it eight times over, probably better than you've done it, has uploaded an open source library and you can get their code on GitHub and you can analyze it. And that's going to speed up your workflow. Um, oftentimes oftentimes in my own projects, in my own game development, I'll sit down, I, I'm in this trap right now. And now because I'm halfway through it, um, I want to get out of it and I want to, to completely simplify the system I'm working on for my own project um, which is the simplest, it's pathfinding in a 2D platformer, right? But the moment you want your characters to jump, it becomes so much more difficult of a problem. And I'm at the point where I've got it working. It's really inefficient, but it's working. And now I can't be bothered to like <laughs> to, to, <laughs> like to like spend another three months completely overblowing the system for efficiency when I could just grab someone else's um, 2D pathfinding, generation um for a platformer and that would just be easier (laughs) Um, but at the same time the learning experience is always great and i'm really really happy with the system i've made and i've learned a lot about building this type of thing and how you can use all these you know you can be taught at university about all these data structures and all these algorithms but until you start until you start actually trying to apply them they're useless for you
0: Yeah. And like like going into like studying sort of programming and engineering at university, it's like the teachers usually teach you a specific way of coding or approaching a a programming like problem with a specific solution. Whereas going onto YouTube, it's like, oh, you can just write five lines of code and it summarizes the entire thing you've been learning. Uh, (laughs) Like there's, I, I, I would hate to show any engineer the code that I wrote uh, in my projects because it is just I would hate to show
1: better engineers the code I have written for my projects. (laughs) But also, if it works, that's all you need. It's true. If it works, that's all you need. Um, And I think that is no more true than in games. Uh, Like, a really, really, I think a really good game example. And it's... Uh, even better because Tom Francis has uploaded every single thing he's done for Gunpoint at least as a devlog. But Gunpoint is fantastic because there's no single system in Gunpoint that is overly complex at a at a programming level. Um it's really simple at a programming level. And that is that's great because you can um and you and for context, gunpoint is a is a little platformer um crime heist game where the the gimmick for lack of a better term is you can rewire the buildings you're robbing so you can Mm -hmm. rewire a button to open a door that's otherwise locked or you can wire a light switch to a socket that shocks a guard when it's pressed and that means you can eventually get guards to knock each other out across the levels using the re by rewiring the systems and stuff that's interesting and it's it's a great game. And he has logged, he has written about everything he built for it. Um, mm. So and that's that's one of those major sources of inspiration, I think, um, and motivation. If you're trying to make something, if you're trying to actually make something, and at the end of the day, he describes it as the system, it works. Is it complicated? No. Could it be better? 100%. But it works. It It doesn't slow the performance down and it makes for fun gameplay and it means he got the game out on his schedule mm. um don't quote me on that he might have been delayed a year but <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but he got it out and that's the important part
0: yeah and like um i with with programming as well There uh, with these sort of like i wouldn't say like simplistic ideas but um very not triple A games. Mm. Uh, the perks of having something like small is that the performance usually runs quite well, uh, and with engineering and programming, because you say that there's always like code that you can improve upon. Uh, it's very noticeable when there's a, a smaller game out there that hasn't really been optimized for gameplay, mm. even if it is single player.
1: Yeah. And um, it's really sad as well, because sometimes those games, you you play them and you go, "Wow, this would be great if it didn't spike every every five seconds." Because um, that's where my game is at the moment is trying to trying to like playtest it. It's like, ah, every time a character wants to repath it, it lags on my incredibly beefy computer. It lags for a second because it's doing way too much math at that moment. Because <laughs> um, I have not optimized it even remotely. Um, so that 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 becomes an engineering issue. Now it's like, okay, if I am gonna take this system forward, I now need to rebuild the system with a much stronger foundation. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what that's what iterative development is. It's building and rebuilding. Um, mm. I'm not quite sure who said the quote. I think it's George R. R. Martin, where he says, "Writing is rewriting." For him where it's this idea that you can write a character, put them on a direction, and then they have an ending. But if you want to really add depth, you're going to be going back and putting the foreshadowing in. You're going to be adding details that, that link to that ending and that make that character arc seem more fulfilling for mm-hmm. you as a reader. And it's the same thing in, in engineering, I think. What you're doing is you're building a system. Building the system teaches you how to build it better, so you have to go back and account for what you know you're gonna need later when you go back to refactoring and rebuilding and iterating and making it better.
0: Wow, I never thought uh, George RR R. R. Martin would be an inspiration for a gameplay engineer's program. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, I guess that's, yeah. That's,
0: that's super interesting.
1: It's really difficult to be like, oh, this system sucks, I need to remake it. But sometimes when, you know, acclaimed best-selling authors are saying that about their books, that it makes it easier. It makes it more palatable.
0: Ooh, they are also human. Huh.
1: <laughs> we all make mistakes.
0: <laughs> I guess that's, like, one commonality that you see throughout different departments of game devs as well, because it's always like, oh, here's a thing that we want to make. Uh, what are your thoughts? And then getting feedback from the rest of the crew and mm-hmm. uh, getting feedback from people who are playtesting it uh, digitally. And, like, yeah, that's, like, a, a common characteristic that most... Uh, roles within a game dev team have. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what are the specifics of engineering that other game development departments might not have?
1: Um, I hate to be I hate to be like, oh, and this is my biases. I think I personally think that uh, anyone who's who's interested into the games is interested in the games industry needs to have a solid understanding of how all the departments work. Um, mm. But you know, we're all gonna be missing things. So I think the the key difference is in the literal skill set and the literal tool set. Um, I find that as an artist, I am awful. I am a terrible artist. I can't draw to save my life. <laughs> I really can't. My literal technical ability with a pen or a pencil in my hand and a piece of paper is not good. Um, I have not built up that skill set. I have built up a decent skill set, understanding um, code, specifically the, the the languages and the workflows that I'm used to, and understanding data management and algorithms. And uh, there's a quote. Oh, I can't remember his name for the life of me. But there's a quote that is that all programming is is getting one set of one input set of data and converting it to an output of data. Um, <laughs> And what you're doing is you're trying to make that conversion as fast as possible uh, and using as little memory as possible. Um, (laughs) So, I think that when it comes to engineering, it's that literal skill set that is the the difference. Uh, I think designers, for example, have a completely different set of of skills. Um, We talk about edge cases a lot, right? And I've noticed that designers tend to end up with a completely different list of edge cases uh, that engineers come up with. Because the engineer is going like, hmm, this piece of data might not be loaded at this moment, so it might crash. Whereas the designer is saying, ah, yes, the player might not be where we need them to be at this exact moment. Um, so we need to account for that and and kind of steer them in that direction or otherwise force them in that direction. So again, it's a it's a set of, skills, it's a, it's a tool set, if you will, um, on how you approach the problem.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. And um there like, again, as I said before, like, I am awful at programming, uh, like, I think my final project had like, Hun- like not hundreds of thousands, but quite a, quite a few lines of code that all just did the same thing. And it was just a case of <laughs> copying, pasting, and changing one number because I didn't understand how to dynamically change that yeah. <laughs> Um. So, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's specifically about skill sets and going into different uh, roles, but knowing those skill sets that make you a good gameplay engineer or uh, biomedical engineer or even if it's not to do with game dev.
1: 100%. That is like that's key. And I also think that knowing your limits, knowing your your boundaries. I think I try my best and I'm sure I could be better at it, but I try my best especially at work um when discussing a mechanic uh to to approach it from the angle of A. And this is an important skill set across the board in game dev, especially at the at AAA or I say AAA, I mean really at any project that that is requiring a team effort that's not like a personal passion project um Mm -hmm. making the game that you're trying to make as opposed to making the game that you specifically want to play um i i don't really play many horse simulators or farming sims i wouldn't know what a good farming sim is because in my head i'd be like oh i want stardew valley that's the farming sim i want to play uh but Let's be real. If I was working on a farming sim game, I wouldn't be putting my design input like, "Hmm, this tractor should be a love interest." I should, you know, <laughs> I, would, I, mean, I would. To be fair, I would play that game. <laughs> that would be a great game. And I'm now thinking, "Hmm, <laughs> a dating game where you're a farmer and there's a bunch of tractors, half to full boyfriend, but tractors, um, put farming equipment." <laughs> but that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> the farm needs senpais. Um. <laughs> Terrible, terrible. <laughs> but um, that is, because that is at the end of the day, that's what you're doing and you're you're building something for an audience. This is the entertainment industry. This is industry. industry. This is the entertainment. <laughs> at the, the end inter- of the day, that's industry. what you're doing. This is the entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> this is, um, you're making something for people to play and enjoy and respond to. And that's where your focus needs to be a hundred percent and I feel like whenever I'm talking about a gameplay mechanic or a system that we're building I'm trying to keep my thoughts in line with what we're building and who we're building it for Mm. Um, and that goes across the board because again not everything I'm making is for players I can make a gameplay system Um, let's say I'm making a gameplay just a jump right Sure, we want the jump to feel snappy. We want it to have uh, a slower rise and then a really sharp fall because we want it to feel, we want the player to feel in control and we want them to to feel responsive. But I'm building that. And if I'm building that for a player, I'm not going to focus on a tool set that lets me dial that jump in perfectly because I can just keep going back to the code and changing it because it's my personal project and I don't care. If I'm on a bigger group, what i really need to do is make a little tool make a little system that the design team and the qa team and the art team can then work together around and really dial in that what what that action looks like and then uh give you all the effects and the sound effects and all the visuals and all the animations that tie that together um so again it's not just about thinking uh about Sure, we need to think about the player all the time, but we also need to think about who we're building something for. If a designer's working with what I'm making, then it needs to be made in a way that the designer can can interact with it nicely and well and efficiently.
0: No, that makes total sense, and uh, I can almost I can I, I can see similar things in design work as well. Like we can make game design documents where we're designing for the player and not designing on stuff that we want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we need to make sure that those game design documents are legible for all the different departments that we're mm-hmm. going to send them towards, and make sure that all the information is super clear and like make sure that yeah, everyone can read it, and then like it can it can be applied. And if it can't be, it'd be interesting to know. that can't be applied and then we get the feedback Mm -hmm. from all the different departments to be like hey why don't we update this Mm -hmm. document
1: Mm." exactly and um you know who's again who is working with this who's using this, who's interacting with it
0: no exactly but yeah i think it's 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 super interesting seeing uh the similarities between all like the skill sets and the different things that you have to do to be an engineer and also seeing how that can be uh, seen in other departments as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I think as well, it's something that um, a lot of people kind of fall into the trap of of going like, what's, who needs what and, and it's resource limitation. But um, at the end of the day, as you just said, right? We all have different, different skill sets, we all have different tools, we're all moving for this, we're all working for the same goal, working in the same direction. And the more we can enable each other to work efficiently, and to get everything done, the the faster you get things out, the faster you iterate, the more chances you get at making it fun, at finding Mm -hmm. the fun in the project.
0: Yeah, I think one skill set that applies to getting into any department no matter whether it's like programming art design audio whatever i think the one of the number one things universally like a, one, one of the number one skills that you yeah <laughs> teamwork teamwork is the one teamwork. Thing that you need. communication. Teamwork. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's what everyone needs within a, a group whether it's a making a small indie game or something on a Mm triple a level uh that's the one thing that you need because then you can you can know how to apply that knowledge to everyone and you know how to talk uh just creatively while also being like get providing correct feedback and not being like biased Mm -hmm. with information or anything like that
1: Mm -hmm. and i think as well i think players can tell when there's been a lack of uh teamwork. I want to be like camaraderie, but it's not even camaraderie. It's a lack Mm. of um, literal just communication and teamwork. I think players can tell, right? You can, you you might not be as clear as like, oh, they didn't communicate while working on this project, but you can, you can tell when you're playing something and it feels, it looks great to play, but it doesn't feel great. You're not, as a player, you're not feeling like you're in control. And Mm. And that's one of the things where it's it's almost like the art department and whoever was working on the gameplay didn't communicate with each other on how they could m- merge those two things together and make them feel more impactful. Um, you know, I think players can tell. I think we need to respect players to, to that extent, uh, because at the end of the day, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, I know they didn't communicate, but they'll be like, <laughs> this is boring and turn it off and go put on something more engaging. Um, yeah,
0: like I feel like there is, like I even played games uh, where I felt like there is a game there that I, I could really enjoy, but there's something holding me back and I feel like it almost comes across that the game developers didn't have fun when they made it. Mm-hmm. So therefore I'm not having fun when I'm playing it.
1: Yeah, um, you know, you're like, there's something here. I don't know what it is, but there is something.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's it's always good to know just like even after a game has come out, and like there's no articles being like this workforce is not great. <laughs> uh, so uh, when you play a game and there's no information out there saying that there's mm-hmm. been like crunch or bad work environments, it's like oh okay. So they actually did have fun and had a yeah. good morale while making this game. So that's the good worst is when
1: the worst is when you play a game and you go this is an amazing game, and then it comes out a month later that everyone toiled blood, sweat, and tears for for eight hours. Uh, <laughs> For, like, you know, 20 hours a day, eight days a week <laughs> for the last year. Um, and you're like, oh, 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 no. What have I done? Why have yeah, I done Yeah, it's this? that moment <laughs>
0: where you just want to open the front door, get on
1: your knees and go, yeah. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm past the two-hour Steam refund window.
0: <laughs> if I bring it back to game, I won't get a full refund. <laughs>
1: Fortunately, fortunately, I've seen very instances of that being made public and that happening, Mm. um, and then there not being, you know, repairs. And I don't even mean repairs, but moving in the right direction. uh, I think that for the most part i think as well with games in particular it's such a huge upfront investment and it's very difficult this is a passion industry there's very few yeah. people working in this industry um who don't want to be here because let's be real across the board the pay is probably better at other industries um <laughs> like I, I, I'm not sure how this goes too much for art and design. I've heard uh, artists say similar, but I know a lot of engineers who uh, who have left games and are getting way more compensation. So no, everyone mm. who's working in this industry really does care and they throw themselves into these projects um, and that's fine. That's There is nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm totally not biased at all, but... Mm. Um, but we do really throw ourselves in and we're working and we want to make something cool because we, we like this and it really can be that simple.
0: No. Um, Yeah. That makes total sense. And it's like, even though other uh, industries might be paying more, might be paid more, we are getting rewarded more for like outcome and like, just seeing other mm-hmm. people enjoy the stuff that we're making. So, mm-hmm. if also, anything, other we are more rich in emotion.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but also other industries have much more steady income streams. Games are like you know, you release and you hope you get income. You hope you make something. Indie devs have it have it the hardest. There are so many indie games that release, um, and something like five percent of them turn a profit on their on their financial input. And that's not, that's not to say that profit is the goal. I'm sure that uh, maybe 80% of those games have just, I wanted to make this game as a goal. But mm. um, for anyone trying to actually make it on their own solo, that's terrifying. That's a lot of work you're putting in. And you've got to make a game that's fun and marketable and satisfying and juicy, and then also is lucky enough to, to be a success and, and keep you going.
0: Yeah, that's why I find it so wholesome when like game devs then make something and publish it, and then it gets lots of retention to be like, oh, this is a great game, and then it's 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 nice to then see them being rewarded in that manner. Like yeah. they're probably going to get a couple of extra pennies in their pocket because they mm-hmm. made a great game. Exactly. But then it's also because I feel like this. I feel like game dev communities are very open to give feedback and are very mm-hmm. open to reinforce positivity and in being like, this is a great game. You did a really good job at making mm-hmm. this. And it's just something that you probably don't see in other industries.
1: Exactly. And you, I think you can't really be
0: like, ah, oh, what you put in that test tube, that oh, was great. You know, the colors in that <laughs> test tube, wonderful. It doesn't really have the same sort of impact. Mm,
1: this smells five percent <laughs> more lemony than last year. Great job. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know that it, it really does come down to that. When you when you get a game that is so polished that you you have a blast with it, a really good example is one finger death punch. That is amazing mm. if you haven't played it. It is two buttons. <laughs> it is two buttons. I don't know, maybe 15-20 hours of gameplay. I bought it for 50 cents. Like I bought it for 50p. <laughs> it was it is fantastic and it's really satisfying and it's really juicy, and it's just polished absolutely perfectly um no yeah I, I totally
0: agree with that and the same with like my name is mayo or it's it's yeah. just a single button where you just yeah you just click it until you get all the achievements and then that's it but the humor then, in it is so well exactly written.
1: <laughs> and it's and it's 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 a polished whole experience um mm. and you can really tell that whoever worked on that care they wanted to make something that's cool and that extends to even more complicated games papers please fantastic game immensely well polished immensely mm-hmm. well put together Bring the scale up there's my just all-time favorite at the moment which is outer wilds you've heard me rant and rave about this a thousand times <laughs> but like game. it's a great game it's really well polished you can tell uh you can tell that that people cared making it and people put effort in um and and you can tell that they focused on polishing what they knew they could get done and what they did get done. And that was the important part. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I guess like seeing as a game day when you see people in the open world and seeing them in the wild saying like, oh, this game is great. It, it It's nice to know just even random strangers are aware of the game that you made and just really appreciate it.
1: Exactly. That's the, at the end of the day, that's it. That's the, That's what you're doing. You're just trying to make people enjoy themselves. Um, Mm, And if you're not, then maybe you're trying to make something for yourself, which is also perfectly valid and go you. Um,
0: Mm. Yeah, and I feel that when when you see people make a game that they're really passionate about, it sort of provides that pathway to then have aspiring engineers or aspiring designers be like, I wish I could make a game like that. Exactly, it's inspirational.
1: Mm. It's it can be really inspirational. Um, mm. I I have a very, very, my like, my like, proper first I tweeted at Ken Levine like eight years ago, like what what book recommendations you got for uh, for an aspiring game dev and he was like, just play games. He, he was just like the best research is just play as many games as you can. Um, just keep. Just keep making things and keep playing mm. things and uh, piece together what you enjoy out of those things, um, and I think that that is really inspirational. It's really it means you know as a as an engineer I now as a as a as someone who wants to make you know. I want to make cool gameplay systems. I'm playing God Mm -hmm. of War with a notepad next to me. Like, oh, this is how they'd handle this little combat issue. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Is this solving this other problem with the previous, you know? Um, I am a massive nerd. You don't have to do that. But it's something that um, I now think about it when I'm playing pretty much everything. Maybe not as religiously as I did with Ragnarok with a literal notepad and pencil. But... (laughs) I do think about it when I'm playing games. I think about it a lot when I'm playing Destiny even, you know? Mm. They make shooting feel really satisfying. How did they successfully make FPS shooting, just standard FPS game, really juicy to play? How does that Mm. work? Um, And once you start thinking about it like that, sure, it takes some of the magic out of it, you know how the sausage is made, but hopefully you can make a tastier sausage.
0: Yeah, I I did find that like before studying games and going into uh, getting into the games industry, I was like, how do they make this? How do they get a character to jump? And how do they do this really cool special effects? And now that I've seen behind the curtain, I'm just like, oh, they just click play on an animation. That's yeah,
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> we're cheating all over the place. Don't even get me started on multiplayer game development. I there is a great talk from the Bungie devs. Um, about Halo called Who Shot? I don't know if it's Bungie or if it's 343, but it's called Who Shot First? Great talk, because I didn't realize that Halo, I think it's Halo 3, Halo 3's grenade animation, or Halo 2's grenade animation for multiplayer, is to give yourself a little window where you can tell the server that a grenade is being thrown before the grenade actually gets thrown, so you can predictively time the grenade throw on all players simultaneously, or as close to simultaneously Mm -hmm. as you can. that is a hack. That is a complete cheat. It is a <laughs> trick. If you have enough latency, the grenade will appear in front of you well before the animation from the enemy player has even begun, right? Like, it, But no one, not no one, but it again, if you have lag that bad, you're kind of expecting to, it to be bad. I used to play Call of Duty in Dubai on a, European servers. I never had good ping. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Like, we're cheating all over the place, especially Mm. so in multiplayer games.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing that once you're in the games industry, you then realize how much of it is just (laughs) copy-paste. And then it's like, we're going to tweak the paste, and then it's a little bit better.
1: (laughs) Paste and make it more red
0: exactly it's like Mm -hmm. oh you know just add a little bit of seasoning to that paste then it's better
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly and it but it works and that's the thing people and sometimes you get uh people being really angry but other times you get people being really like wow that's the a really good example is there's a piece of dlc for fallout 3 uh sorry an expansion pack for fallout 3 (laughs) back before it was dlc I had to buy it physically on a disc for my Xbox, so. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. But um, where you're in a subway car and it shakes to simulate it's going, and in reality, it's a hat being worn by an NPC underneath the floor, and the NPC is doing this with his head to get the shake going. (laughs) That's that's what they did to get the shake working. (laughs) And it's like a lot of players looked at that. Once that was revealed, a lot of players were like, oh, lazy developers, you didn't even bother making a system. And I guarantee you every single game developer across the board is like, that's genius. That's genius piece <laughs> of artwork right there. That is an engineer prototyped that for the quest and went, eh, it's good enough for now. And then it <laughs> yeah. never got replaced because it was genuinely good enough. It is amazing.
0: <laughs> to be fair, seeing those kinds of things, it, it sort of like fills me with fascination because a I can't remember what the YouTube channel is called, but it they what they do is they get a game and then they unhook the camera from where it's supposed to be so then you can see how the game works outside the player's perspective and it's always fascinating to see how people pr- approach something for example putting a train on someone's head and being like it works and it's like it works i didn't think of that but that's great
1: <laughs> and that stuff is all always across the board that is all great research really mm. if you're if you're even remotely interested in game development, and if you think it might be for you, that's really good. Like Throwing yourself into how we make games is really important, right? Um, there's a lot of people who talk about wanting to make games and talk about getting into it. But this is not easy work. It is not easy. It is fun, and it's great. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But it's, it's difficult, and it, it takes a lot and um it can to an extent ruin playing games for you a little bit like i i have limited time now to play games unless a game is really really good i'm not committing to it right i i can't i can't bring myself to commit 30 40 hours to a game if i know i'm not going to be enjoying it i think that's why i've been sticking to lots of like games that I can jump on for, for 30 minutes to an hour and then shut down. I can jump into Factorio, extend my factory a little bit and just shut it down, right? Mm. Um, and that's a satisfying little snippet of gameplay. Um, simultaneously, I just played Pentiment, one of the best things I've ever played. I blasted through it in one go, pretty much. Um, and I had a great time. Like over the course of three, four days, I just played it at every moment I could because it was like reading an amazing book. I couldn't put it down. Um, but, oh but, yeah, but, I,
0: yeah, I I do get that. Like the I feel that before getting into the games industry, I was very much like buying the latest game that came out and went, "Oh, I got to play it." Sit down for thirty hours and binge mm-hmm. it in one go. Whereas now I'm just like, I just I just want to open cats, organized neatly, arrange the cats <laughs> into like a Tetris format, and then be done, and that's it. That's <laughs> all I want. I just want that little little puzzle, and then a we'll hear a few meows, mm-hmm. and then get back to work. <laughs>
1: And it's, and that's, you know, I think that's true across all industries. Um, my mom used to work in film, so watching films with her, she'll sit there and she'll like, I could be there really engrossed and like really intense. And she'll be like, oh, I know how they did this. <laughs> She's like, that's clever. This is a clever use of this like special effects system. And I'll be like, God damn it, mom!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've done a similar thing when I sat down and watched movies with my parents I sit down and go, I know how they do that. They do it this way. And they're like, great, you've ruined the movie for us.
1: <laughs> we and know he's a... standing
0: in front of a green screen now. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's another thing that's like a huge, huge cross-section that I wasn't expecting coming into the games industry is just how interlinked with film we are. And it, it seems mm. obvious now after the fact, even, even the biggest block, all the biggest blockbuster Hollywood summer blockbuster films use a bunch of effects, special effects. Mm. And all those people are doing 3D modeling, and lighting, and uh, digital art, and technical art, So, and animation. And so we're all working together, right? Um, you're uh, in the games industry, you're going to be interacting with people from across the board. Um, and I'd say, I'd go as, uh, go as far as to saying that extends to just tech in general. Anything mm. with visual tech, that's just what you're going to be doing. That's yeah, and not to mention with.
0: that like some more modern TV series and movies are actually using the Unreal Engine to film
1: literally stuff in. Yeah, because Unreal's gone. Oh wait, you guys want a 3D virtual stage? We've been doing that for decades. Here you go, yeah. take it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like watching how the Mandalorian was made, it was literally a case of we've built this pre-made uh, in like environment in the unreal 5 engine and we're just going to put it on like this led screen and you're just going to act in front of it and it's like oh that's that's a really fascinating way of doing that and that's really smart
1: and it works it works hmm. and i would like to hope that it saved a bunch of money um and watching the mandalorian i could never tell in season one the scenes that had a giant led screen that they did yeah. some you know post-processing effects to afterwards but it looked beautiful and it worked, and it, yeah. it, at the end of the day, that's that's all you're doing. You're just trying to make something that is entertaining and fun, and works.
0: <laughs> and like the perks of Unreal as well. On like a, if you're using it for personal reasons, or even if you're using Unity, it's completely free to use.
1: It's completely free, mm. um, and it, they're great learning tools. I think people rag on like Udemy courses and things like that a lot, but I think. If you're new to it, um, they're great. They're great tools for getting up to speed with with making something, and especially in games, finishing a project. I'm I'm I know for a fact this is across the board of all creative industries, right? Um, from film editing to uh, photography to art, at all costs, finishing something is the biggest signifier that. That you have experience because you can start 30 projects but it it is terrifying to post it publicly for people to look at and scrutinize and it is even more terrifying when you post it not for free as a paid product (laughs) hoping people will give you their money that they have earned to experience it that's difficult um and if you're able to do that not even as a success if you're just able to get to that point where you can put something out for free because because you finished something that's an amazing that is a commendable achievement Mm. and i think that unity and unreal have done a lot to democratize that process and to let anyone take a crack at it um as i said there's a lot of there's a lot of indie projects that are released every day and most of them fail commercially fail but Mm for for I think for most of those indie projects you go on itch and look at everything published today there might be 150 indie games thrown up there for free every day and all of them just kind of want you to play it and go oh is this any good right it's it's I think this is where uh places like um Newgrounds and Miniclip and Armor Games that's what I was thinking of <laughs> all those browser based games that were made by really small teams and single devs who just wanted to Make something interesting together throw it together and then you know publish it there i think itch has kind of replaced that because now you have all these downloadable projects now you have these bigger things that that people have packaged in unity and they're a lot of them are kind of interesting or kind of cool. They're kind of fun.
0: Yeah. And that's, I guess that's like one of the perks of like participating in game jams as well. Cause then you get that practice of uh, releasing something into the open world for feedback and and in some instances getting it rated and comparing it to other people who are releasing something Mm -hmm. in that same time span
1: and i also think that if you're jumping on a game jam and you've never done it before you're going to fail you might not fail this yeah. game jam but you're going to you're going to hit a point where you go oh god get rid of these three mechanics we're not bothering with them we just need this game to come out Ooh. we just need to finish it we have 48 hours or we have a week and i think game jams are really really good for that right they get you to they get you from nothing to finished thing it might take you three or four tries but you know persist keep at it you're going to learn so much more doing a handful of game jams than you ever would following tutorials online especially cuz because you're doing a game jam and you're time limited you're probably going to be following some tutorials as well to to make the individual components and then but you're focusing on making a finished thing and yeah that, and
0: i feel like Game jams as well are, yeah. are ways to, to practice exactly. skill sets. Even if you're not assigned to that skill set outside of the game jam, it's always a great way to like practice what you might may not have been able to practice beforehand.
1: Exactly, and um, I mean, I've done a few game jams. I've some of them more successfully than others, uh, but for the most part, every single one of those projects probably pushed me towards being a part of this industry. Uh, Mm. long-term, just because, again, it teaches you to focus in, it teaches you to scope, it teaches you to focus on finishing the game. Um, Because if you like the game you make in a game jam, if it's buggy, you can always go back and make it better and fix it and and make it a bigger, more finished, complete product. Mm. Uh, If you're not time-limited, if you don't have an, an end date in sight, you're gonna do what I'm doing right now, which is keep going, oh, I could make this a little bit better. I could just make <laughs> this better. I could just make this a little bit better and you're never gonna move on. Um, and that is, and that's sad because while I love engineering, I also love making games and I love putting things together. So because I'm focusing so much on my specific issues, I'm not focusing on actually putting something together and that's fine because I'm trying to learn, but yeah.
0: Yeah, like um, there's one project that I'm helping out with because a, f- a friend is uh, working on a personal project. So I'm helping out with like the art in that, which isn't my role uh, <laughs> professionally, mm-hmm. uh, but I really enjoy getting into Blender, which is also free. It's great. great.
1: Blender is uh, awesome. Everyone learn Blender.
0: Uh, fantastic. Hand-friend. I even managed to use, managed to learn Python in it. And I was like, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, it was just dropping like 50 blocks. And I went, it works that was it (laughs) um but yeah I'm I'm looking back on the the models that I was making for for their personal projects and I I look back on that now after like a year of making them and I think I can easily make those better for the camera perspective that was used in the game um and even like modeling now my skill set has improved drastically um even though that is not what I do professionally
1: and again, I I think that that is one of those um, skills that, uh, like, to put myself in that in in your shoes, there I'm not a great 3D modeler. I've done I've done some of it, but what it what it helps you or what it's helped me at least is it helps you. You can sit there and and say you appreciate the work that your 3D artists are doing, but until you've actually tried it, you're never gonna understand just how just how difficult it is. And it to mm. be fair, if you try it and you go this is easy and you really have a knack for it, then great, you found your calling in the games industry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really it is it is all across the board really backbreaking work. I say not physically, fiz- obviously. I mean, for some people you got bad posture, it will be backbreaking. Um <laughs>
0: so you, get, you have to get a good gaming chair that one. Yeah,
1: right? <laughs> Hashtag #gamer. Um Get the
0: PewDiePie chair,
1: let's go. I say this sarcastically with a secret lap chair. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, like, 3D modeling is difficult. Animation is basically black magic to me. I don't understand Mm -hmm. it at all. Even in programming, shaders, graphics programming, is just so alien to me. Approaching those problems is so alien. It's so insane to me. I have nothing but... the most respect possible for technical artists and for graphics programmers they are really doing god's work they're making your games look awesome and run mm-hmm. <laughs> they're the ones making that happen
0: um yeah like i have such admiration for those in like audio and programming and exactly. and even lighting as well because i <sighs> there's still instances where i will make a 3d model and the lighting will be terrible but i'm like but the model looks cool the models <laughs> all right. it's important <laughs> Like, I I think I made made this funny image of diglets, but they looked like Michelangelo uh, statues, and the lighting was really cool. And then I tried duplicating that with, like, magic cup heads instead, and the lighting was terrible. And I was like, okay, I've done something in this one that I don't know how to repeat in that one.
1: It's like when you when you toggle the simulated ray trace lighting in Blender and you're like what would this look like with good lighting and then you turn it off and you go okay cool it's fine the, the, the
0: yeah exactly <laughs> but even instances like that of just like knowing that changing one setting will improve your lighting drastically so going from mm-hmm. EVs to cycles it's like Wow, Ooh. my model looks really nice in this smooth ray trace lighting.
1: <laughs> and that's a that's another like huge aspect of game development that I think a lot of developers uh, and gamers don't really kind of or you I feel like we all take it kind of for granted is the huge leaps and bounds in just the literal technical capabilities of the hardware. Hmm. Ray trace lighting was something we were doing that would that Pixar would run an algorithm for for 6 weeks to render the lighting for a movie um and now Nvidia has somehow made it happen in real time sure not to the level that that you know if you take the Nvidia tech and uh and do a pre-render with it over 6 weeks it's going to look absolutely stellar mm-hmm. but the fact that we can get close to that in real time is actually pretty amazing and sure it might not catch it might not take hold across the board but if it does, and even if it doesn't, it's really setting the bar for what lighting is like. Reflections. We have cheated with reflections for as long as I can remember in games, where you you put a virtual camera in a space that you know you need reflections, and then you take an image of everything around it, and then you print that image onto the water on the floor. Right? That's the the. If you're ever playing Half Life Two, that's how they do reflections in Half Life Two. Oh, I didn't but, actually know that. Yeah, it's called. Uh, I can't remember. It's called like a reflection map, I think. But um, and that's what that's how it works. And now NVIDIA's gone. Cool. You don't need to do that anymore. You can just use ray tracing instead. And yeah, like
0: I've even heard instances of like game. Uh, game rooms or game levels that just duplicate themselves, but opposite. Just, to, just so then there's one mirror that looks realistic.
1: I think it's Resident <laughs> it's... Evil Three or Two that does that, or a Silent Hill yeah. game that does that. Yeah, and it's and you know what? Again, coming back to what we said earlier, it works. If it, it works, works, it works. And that's that's it. It's right?
0: like Frankenstein's monster, <laughs> but it works. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's the train car on a dude's head as he's shaking his head around
0: <laughs> but yeah i mean like there's there's thankfully in getting into the industry now there's so many tools and resources out there where anyone can look at it and then branch into different researchers and listen to different documents and panels and talks and see if that specific field is something that they want to get into um so i'm What would you say are some of the best tools or online documents or panels and videos and YouTube bits that would be good for aspiring internets?
1: GDC is awesome. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. just throw it out there. GDC is great. They put as many of their talks up as they can. Um, I think they time gate them um, for free, but uh, otherwise, if you just check the GDC YouTube channel, you will have a wealth of information. Aside from that, I personally take the view that there is no better experience than doing, there's no better way to learn than by making. And I mm-hmm. think that especially in game engineering, you're you're gonna start by making something really simple or more realistically, you're gonna start by wanting to make something really complicated, not realizing how complicated it is and then freaking out. So <laughs> I would always recommend, take a look at the, the try making something simple, right? I think Pong. Pong is a deceptively complicated game to make. It is one that that you can make really badly, really quickly, or you could make it really badly, really slowly. Or you could make it really well, really slowly. Um, And if you make Pong badly, and then try making Pong again, you'll probably end up with a much better game the second time round. And I think that really can be the basis for a great game. Um, One of my first projects that I ever hit export on Unity was Pong. It was a Pong, it was a gimmicked Pong where it was two paddles and it was a three-player game where, sorry, it was a two-player game where one player would control both paddles and the other player would, with the ball, change direction. And I thought that was a fun, simple, stupid game. And then like, I, I found out a year ago that that someone had done something similar as a single player exploration game, where you have a board, like Pong, you have a ball that you can just change the direction and you need to not hit spikes and you need to ping it off walls properly. And it was a really cool project. And I was like, you know what, props to you. That's a great use. That's a great use of this kind of system. Um, I started on Scratch when I was like 10 years old and I played and I used Scratch so much. Um, that just
0: threw me back ten years. Like, <laughs> oh, Scratch.
1: <laughs> yeah, but Scratch and its visual programming was awesome for me and I spent way too much time playing with it and that built the basis for um, my approach or I say my approach that like Scratch, you know, but it built it built a really basic foundational understanding of how computers work and how programming works. Because, you know, you can tell a computer to do X, Y, Z and it'll do exactly X, Y, Z and you might not want it to do that, right? So I think making something small is a great entry point. Um, I've been programming for like 10 years and uh, more than that now, I I started using Unity when I was like 13, 14 um and you know badly very badly very very (laughs) badly using unity but i started picking up how all this stuff works and how 3d math works and and at the end of the day it's just practice it's just experience i wouldn't be where i was where i am now if if i hadn't been doing this for so long sure i also have a degree in you know a computer science i i did games programming at goldsmiths that's um It was a very computer science heavy course when i did it but at the end of the day what i was doing was making games it wasn't much different from what i've been doing for the previous 10 years so Mm. so really just just keep making things keep working keep messing up keep failing
0: yeah I, i i totally agree with that like even during uni there's so many instances where I would fail not not a whole project so I would start again I, I, I'm like I didn't fail university I just do put that out there <laughs> um, like but there would be times where I would make a project it wouldn't work so I had to start from scratch and then um and and redo it in like a few different times just then I was happy with the product and made sure it worked uh maybe I might have cried a couple of times during in between because I was really bad at programming and I still am <laughs> But I've practiced now to the point where I don't cry looking at code, and that's an achievement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a that's a feat in and of itself. I'm not quite there yet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, really, really, it is, and I, I don't mean to be like it's this simple because obviously there's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, but it it if you want to get into gameplay or uh, engineering in games or programming or anything. You just keep doing it, keep practicing it. Uh, that's the best way you're going to give yourself as many chances as possible to do it, um, to do it full time, or do it as a career. Or who knows, you might end up having a great idea, and you might have a great game, and you might make it. Fan- you might make a fantastic product that everyone loves. Um, you might make something that teaches you a lot, and you might also make something that teaches you that this isn't for you. And all of those things are ideal outcomes, if you ask me.
0: No, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to um, just practice and it's just knowing that it's okay to fail. Uh, exactly. And just learning from your experiences, even writing down why you think you failed and then applying that knowledge to the next project to then grow as someone who is either doing engineering or audio or design or art. Just Just doing that and repeating that process is a great way to just build the muscle that's in between your ears and expand. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. You have to, yeah, like it is, it is, I'm, I'm trying to re rejig my approach to my projects and to what I just recommended. I'm going to, I'm scoping everything down to making something really small, making something tight that has one working using usable system. Because if I can make a project and release it with one fun thing in it, then the next project, I can make one new fun thing, and then add the old fun thing. Mm. And then you can you can just keep working like that and keep making new fun things and add it to your previous backlog of fun things. And hopefully, you do that a bunch of times, you'll have enough to make a pretty cool game,
0: mm. or even have like pretty cool skill sets so you can come join Sharkmo and sit next. Or a pretty
1: cool skill set, or a pretty cool skill set, and you can go join a great company that's true that's true
0: <laughs> but um yeah i, I feel like that's we've, we've covered quite a lot of topics of like how to become a good engineer uh,
1: i apologize engineer. for all the tangents
0: <laughs> tangents are great i'm always down <laughs> for uh talking about uh, me failing at code or uh, just talking about michael reeves chaos behavior it's 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 wonderful <laughs> But um, yeah, that, that with all that information, that would conclude another episode of the Game Dev London podcast today. Uh, I've been your host, Nicola, and you can find me at Humphreys Media, basically on most platforms. Uh, big thank you to Kareem as well for being my guest today. Hello. So, hey. I've been Kareem.
1: You can find me at Chasmix Games on Twitter.
0: Nice. I don't really have and, any um, other
1: platforms. <laughs>
0: Ah, it's okay. Twitter, Twitter works, you know. As long as it's not on fire, Twitter is a great place to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can also continue. Feel free to continue this discussion as well by visiting the Game Dead London Discord or uh, discussing the topics that we've talked about in the description below, in the comments below. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and yeah, thanks for everyone who's listening in today, and uh, be sure to check out Game Dead London oh, for the latest updates. Uh, otherwise, yeah. We shall see you next time, this time next week, with a new episode. (laughs) Okay, bye bye, everyone.